When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Previously on Weedian House. The earth is something we honor, land, material resources, food, plants, air, water. And so these are meant to be shared. If you have, you give. If we're doing this right, if we're fighting for liberation, there shouldn't be a jazz, there shouldn't be a polo's pantry. It just existed in the work that we were doing, wouldn't have to exist. So how do we drive ourselves to being out of business? When you're being paid like $80,000 projected into 100000 you kind of compromise, at least in the beginning. You know, you can only evade guilt for so long until it really begins to be sort of crippling. Welcome back to Weedy and Housed. I'm your host, Theo Henderson. After our short history on mutual aid, charity, and philanthropy with some of my favorite people in the Los Angeles activist scene, this week, Weedy and Housed is going on the road to San Diego, where the unhoused are being violently hospital dumped. But first, a few shout outs to our listeners. A big thank you to Kristen Haranaka from Los Angeles for reaching out with a great question on how to volunteer. One excellent place to volunteer is to go to J-Town Action and Solidarity and fill out their survey. You can find them on jtownaction.com. Another big thank you goes to New York City student Awa Kamara, who is interested in the housing crisis and is helping to pass the Eviction Protection Act. I'm looking forward to being interviewed by you and your school on March 1st. They are part of the Freedom and Citizenship Program at Columbia University. And lastly, thank you to Victoria F. for asking Weedy and Howes to interview Green Party presidential candidate Jasmine Sherman. Don't stop sharing Weedy and Howes with your friends. This show has been a friendly community effort and is my hope to continue to do so. We've got Weedy and Howes news to cover. We can start with weather. Heavy rains has been coming down across California in the last several weeks, leaving the unhoused extremely vulnerable. Weedy and Howe's previous episodes have covered issues like hypothermia, 
lack of shelter, and lack of bed availability. We will replay the list of shelters, locations, and numbers in Los Angeles County. 44 Beds at Volunteers of America. Address 45 150th Street in West Lancaster, California. The population they serve is co-ed. 35 beds at Advancing Communities Together. It is at 38 626th Street in East Palmdale, California. Only open from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. on weekdays and 24 hours on Saturday and Sunday. Population served, co-ed. 50 beds at home at last. 8768 South Broadway, Los Angeles. Population served, women. 11 beds at Assured Lifestyle Housing. 9519 South Figueroa, Los Angeles. Population served, co-ed. Nine beds at Assured Lifestyle Housing, 700 West Florence, Los Angeles. Population served, co-ed. 41 beds at First to Serve, 1718 West Vernon Avenue, Los Angeles. Population served, co-ed. 60 beds at Bryant Temple Community Development, 5500 South Hoover Street, Los Angeles. Population served, men. 32 beds at Abundant Blessings, 1133 South Ardmore Avenue, Los Angeles. Population served, men. 55 beds at New Reflections. 8311 Southwestern Avenue, Los Angeles. Population served, men. 11 beds at Whittier First Day. 12426 Whittier Boulevard, Whittier, California. Population served, co-ed. And 40 beds at First to Serve, 702 West Anaheim Street, Long Beach, California. Population served, co-ed. Our next story. Since the last unhoused news segment, we discussed the disastrous bill introduced, which is HB5 in Kentucky. To recap, is given authority to kill and harm unhoused people with zero repercussions. The bill passed, and now the unhoused community in Kentucky will have one more legalized hunting measure to contend with. In San Mateo County, they have passed an ordinance to criminalize two refusals of shelter. They will receive two written warnings from law enforcement, which will turn into misdemeanors. For people that don't know, here's the thing about tickets. If you don't pay them for long enough, that turns into a warrant. Unhoused people are busy worried about food, shelter, and taking care of their community. They have a lot more important things to do and worry about than paying a ticket with money they don't have for just trying to survive out in the elements. Once there's a warrant, now the cops are being given legal permission to harass and arrest you for being unhoused. Although, a lot of them don't wait for permission anyway. In theory, if I'm ticketed for sleeping outside, which is illegal in Los Angeles under 4118, and I can't pay, the cops will be able to arrest me. And if I couldn't pay those tickets, how would I pay for bail or legal counsel once I'm thrown in jail? It wouldn't be possible. And of course they know that. And so in this scenario, an unhoused person would end up spending more time in jail and then be released right back where they started, unhoused and without any money, resources where they'd be ticketed for existing. Only this time they're coming out with a supposed criminal record 
and the police in the city are free to keep the cycle going. You did it at the cost and benefit of house people, all to make it look like they're doing something to address houselessness. And of course, they're not. San Mateo supervisors unanimously approve this measure, and there are currently 1,800 unhoused people in the county. That's why this decision is so important. It assumes that unhoused people are a monolith who should have to accept the first options given to them, and if they don't accept it, they can be arrested. Speaking of unhoused numbers, the houses count began in New York on January 23rd, Los Angeles on January 24th, San Diego and San Mateo on January 25th. This is required by the U.S. Department of Housing while houselessness, the bill ordinances against the unhoused is on the rise. This appears as an empty gesture, especially since the Supreme Court is currently weighing in on how to displace more community unhoused members. Our society is on a delicate balancing point between subtle erasure and legalizing subtle extermination of poor, vulnerable people. In Los Angeles, Urban Alchemy was filmed spraying water at and near an unhoused person to force them to move. Urban Alchemy stated many of its staff have served life sentences and are formerly unhoused. Urban Alchemy's base operations is in San Francisco, California. In Los Angeles, the city has awarded Urban Alchemy $14 million. And this action by Urban Alchemy befits this quote from Simone de Beauvoir. The oppressor would not be so strong if he did not have accomplices among the oppressed. In Byron, Ohio, Pastor Chris Avail has been charged for housing the unhoused. 18 zoning violations were levied against Pastor Avail, who is now suing the city of Bryan, the mayor, Kerry Schlade, chief of police, Jamie Mendez, and fire chief, Doug Poole. And finally, this week's unhoused news exclusive is part two of my interview with Aaron Flores, an environmental compliance inspector turned videographer. He spoke last November after an event and in part one began discussing our differences and opinion on how encampments are treated by the city. Here's the rest of our chat. This is probably the limiting point of where we start getting into disagreements because I do believe that there are health hazards that are produced in encampments. And um, my concern mainly is just that I don't feel that the bureaucratic process in which the city takes, where you only allot 30 minutes, you don't really try to understand people's stories and stuff like that. I don't agree with that. However, I do agree that it's just this weird, complex thing that you see because there's people living within their own, I guess, you know, like human fecal matter so close to them. Sometimes we spray the floor with bleach and we see urine stains and they're near that. We have to think a little bit about uh, their own safety as well. Like that's clearly not ethical. And this is where it starts getting complicated because even though these sweeps are, you know, uh, dehumanizing, I think leaving them there and not letting them move is also a bit dehumanizing because it comes across to me as very apathetic. Let me point out something right here too because you do make a very good point. Uh, When I was on the street and we would beg for bathrooms and they would not apply to us. In this city, they do not allow people to use the bathroom unless you make a purchase. 
And we all are human beings. We all got to go to the bathroom. And some of them are mobility limited. Some people are having challenges trying to find where they can get rid of the waste. Mm -hmm. So those conversations never get told to the ECI officers. And I'm not blaming them, but they don't understand the limitations that are posed, why that is what they're there and what they're doing. That is where a lot of the activists, we had loggerheads because that's the story that they are making it sound like, yeah, it's just a health condition. But yeah, it wouldn't be one if you had manned bathrooms. It wouldn't be that, you know, especially when people are not house people are begging. And so I think when ECI sees that or see them in those things, it's easy to make the uh, sum total of the judgment. Well, you know, we got to do this. Yes, it would, you wouldn't have to do it at all if we had the now the necessary things that we need to survive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, I have been asked that if, you know, we could install a restroom. Right. Obviously, the reason why restrooms aren't there is because this is, as I said, it gets complicated because people who live around the area also don't want unhoused residents mm -hmm. around them. So, um, so... About the people in urine when they see it all littered down the streets and things like that. Yeah. We all got to go to the bathroom. It's yeah. just a reality. Of course, yeah. Um, the reason why I had mentioned housed residents, you know, I mean, you know, people who wait, wait. who live in the area is because they don't want restrooms in near the vicinity because that would just attract people, mm -hmm. unhoused people to set up around them. And yeah, you know, it gets, as I said, it gets really complicated. You have so many players in this little... I don't want to call it a game, but whenever there's rules and there's parties with different interests, it does become a game. You have the city, you have the politicians, you have the activists, you have the unhoused resident, you have an organization like LASA who might be... But if I made a point out mm -hmm. about it too, I had worked at a mutual aid every Saturday near our house, and during the pandemic there was a house encampment in Little Tokyo, mm -hmm. and we had to fight to have bathrooms there. Mm -hmm. Then they would make play the game that they wouldn't clean the bathrooms. They would make the bathrooms ready overflow. They wouldn't have the bathrooms manned. Mm -hmm. They would try to create a carceral environment that would make it so untenable that bathrooms would, would be removed. Mm -hmm. Now here is the kicker that house people don't understand. House people use those bathrooms too. Mm -hmm. Bus drivers, they are, are not they don't are not able to stop people that are visiting this our city that because they have bathrooms are for customers only, that inflicts these them. So when they when the residents hear that or make those kind of snap judgments that they don't want bathrooms, mm -hmm. they're shutting out everything. It's yeah. just not just the unhoused, mm -hmm. but bathrooms is a right human right too, because like I say, everybody goes to the bathroom. I mean, there's nothing, nothing political about that. Take a walk. Yeah. And from grandmothers and elderly, and I have health issues, so I need to maybe be in the vicinity of a restaurant. And if I don't, I then I have to become much more creative. And then people make snap judgments because if it's near a school or things like that, then people create their own conclusions that's mm -hmm. usually nefarious. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a challenge to really educate people because people don't understand the complexities of the symbol of a bathroom. It's true. Yeah, yeah. People don't humanize the unhoused and um, really realize the needs that they need because they are human. As you said, people do need to use the restroom. I guess it's just from the outside in, it's always, um, yeah. it's always just very critical because, you know, we sometimes wonder, like, how could this person, you know, produce fecal matter right. near a school? Right. Right? And um, it just gets really complicated when... Um, you know, there's certain like poster pictures of of you know what might be an unhoused resident or um, you know, etc. 
what changed for you to start to, because now that you've done this for a while, you've seen the activists, you've seen the, the challenges, what was the thing, uh, stopping point for you to, uh, to really have misgivings? Because $80,000 for anybody, that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it had to be something that really, was there an incident or a watershed moment? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, it's actually a personal um, incident. Mm -hmm. So my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Sorry to hear that. And um, yeah, you know, my two years before, my brother passed away when I was a kid. My dad passed away. Oh. But it just it just felt like um, I my conscious cannot handle, I guess, just the stress load of this job. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to, uh, you know, I try to ask for maybe like light duty and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it just wasn't enough real time. And um, yeah, I mean, I think in, it's just, you know, these really visceral moments, they really, uh, I think they're turning points for people. And people tend to go more of, you know, the path that they actually want to go as opposed to the path that's more convenient. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't really disobey my ethics given that, um, you know, I really admire my mom. She was a really ethical person. So I, you know, started reading the Bible a little bit more, started reading Soren Kierkegaard, mm -hmm. um, who I got introduced to because of Dr. Cornell West. Oh, wow. I actually got a book signed, uh, Works of Love, oh, by, you know, I had Cornell West sign it. But, um, yeah, I started reading all this literature. I started even just watching movies. Like, we have these heroes that we look up to, and yet we never really engage in the risks that they engage in. And, um, you know, oftentimes we resort to cowardice behavior or complacency, neglect, yeah. etc. And, um, yeah, so I just, I felt like my eyes were just open during this very real moment in my own personal life. And it's unfortunate that a personal tragedy had to happen to me in order for me to no longer become um, okay and complicit with this uh, very dehumanizing act. But, um, yeah, I mean, in a strange way, it was a blessing. But, yeah, the stress load was just very high, and I just couldn't stand bureaucracies anymore. Well, a lot of times, emergencies or personal uh, incidents happen that creates, uh, makes people become less inert into the realities of their fellow human beings. And that's one of the things about the difficulties what we're looking at in our society. For example, the Gaza and the Palestinian conflict. People have spoken, people have protested, people came up, uh, came up and speaking out against the atrocities, but the slow uh, genocide, the slow murders of unhoused that are dying five a day doesn't uh, garner the same kind of conversation or the empathy mm -hmm. about why there are 68,000 unhoused children, an uptick of elderly unhoused women, um, the uh, elderly, the abuse of domestic violence uh, victims that are increased during the pandemic and during all of these issues that are I'm part of the unhoused community. That Even gentrification. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm from Highland Park. Yeah. So I saw, for a little bit of the time, I saw a lot of uh, Latino families in like tents yeah. um, pretty near Highland Park because they can no longer afford rent or. MacArthur Park, too. And that's another thing that which really drives me crazy is there's a lot of working unhoused people that are out there that are living on the streets that are near the school so when you hear house people complain about the safety of the children they fail to realize that their unhoused families there too and they love their kids just like house people do mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, like this one time I was on York and Figueroa and there was an unhoused resident he was writing in his notebook and you know he had a fedora a little bit of tattoos on his face mm -hmm. 
And yeah, I just asked them if I could take a picture of them. But, you know, instead of just a quick shot, I wanted to do it right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of photographs of people, but, you know, I want to really just take the time to be very technical and really engage in this risk of approaching someone who I don't know and asking them if they're if they're comfortable with us. But yeah, I think it's an intellectual vocation for me. Thank you for taking the time to really talk to me about your experiences as an ECI. And I'm thrilled that you are doing the forces of good, doing something that is really going to be impactful for the society. I'm glad that you had the courage, because it does take courage to turn down 80 grand, but or to 100 grand, but it does take courage to really question what are you doing? Are you helping people or are you harming them? Mm -hmm. And it's good to see that you are trying to help uh, humanity instead of trying to you know, just collect a paycheck or just following orders because we know where that usually leads. Thanks again to Aaron Flores for the enlightening discussion. And this is Unhouse News. Stay with us because when we come back, we're going to San Diego. The wait is over. The Shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Welcome back to Weedy and House. I'm your host, Theo Henderson. And as promised, I went down to San Diego a few weeks ago to speak to people on the ground who are suffering from the cruel practice of hospital dumping. So you can be exited from here. And 
walk down to this bus stop that still is yet to have hand washing stations. There's no restrooms and the buses don't run in the middle of the night and um, you can wait here from 11 o'clock at night until about 5 in the morning to even get a bus to take you down to the Homelessness Response Center. This is my friend Amy who invited me down to San Diego. We're at one of the hospitals in San Diego where unhoused people have been kicked out and left in the street, where they're further brutalized by the police in the city itself. And what's worse, there's not a lot of people in the house press even trying to cover this story. The environment here is in your face hostile and indifferent. Los Angeles treats the unhoused terribly, but there is at least a community of activists that will show up to sweeps and protest for their neighbors' rights. In San Diego, that community is much smaller and the city itself remains indifferent. Here's Amy. Uh, one of the ladies that cleans this building on the night shift, um, and I have videos of her. She has emailed the mayor countless times, countless times. We need a better system in place. She sees the folks that are laying there all night long who are asking for help who want a shelter bed, who want housing. In San Diego, the cops aren't even pretending not to be doing what they're doing, which is hospital dumping. If you haven't heard it, it's a form of discrimination against the unhoused and many unhoused veterans where hospitals decide to dump a sick and ailing unhoused person back on the street instead of doing what they're supposed to do, help them. It happens everywhere, but in San Diego, it's becoming an epidemic and the law enforcement is in on it. So when I came to San Diego to cover the issue in mid-January, people were really eager to speak with me. It was overwhelming, and I talked to a lot of people whose stories really need to be told. Amy is a housing activist who I met during the pandemic when she was raising her reservations about what was going on on the lack of coverage with the unhoused in San Diego. She listens to Weedy Unhoused and reached out and alerted me to the urgency of the situation in San Diego. I told her that I would make it a point to come and cover the story. She's been involved in advocating for the unhoused in San Diego and Santa Barbara and was first motivated to get into this work in honor of her father who was unhoused. She does a lot for the unhoused these days and there's still so much more that can be done. before, all I had to give them was a blanket, and there were no shelter beds for them. And they died right there. Mm. So this is the place where the person passed away? Mm -hmm. Right there. And they've got their walker. They still have the, uh, the uh, instructions on, the, on their walker. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, Right here is uh, Mr. Becker, who had been discharged from Scripps Mercy Hospital. Mm -hmm. Looks like this gentleman's walking out with hospital, like you can always see their hospital paperwork. We'll be talking to people in this episode and our future episodes on hospital dumpings. Be on the lookout for more of these episodes. First, I spoke with Tehran and Stacy Miller, a husband and wife who lost their home and business after a medical emergency. Here's some of their conversations. 
So three years ago, my husband had an aortic dissection aneurysm rupture. So it led to a spinal stroke, quadriplegic. Um, we ended up losing our house, uh, our business, and we ended up homeless. We have two kids. Uh, at the time, they were six and eight. And um, we went to first Father Joe's. And when we were at Father Joe's, um, my, my smallest son had COVID. And so instead of going to a, what do they call that, congregated living facility, um, we told them, give us overnight and we'll go to the doctor and get our own hotel. When I left to take my son to the doctor, they locked me out. They wouldn't let me get him in his wheelchair. They wouldn't let me get my daughter. They wouldn't let me go inside, period. My son was 103 fever in the lobby. I blew up, okay? I called 911. I told them that's the only way I got him out. They didn't let me pack my stuff, so they put all of our stuff in bags and they put water bottles in there with, they were open. Yeah, so it was everything mildewed. They used the trash bin, the actual trash yeah. bin, to load up our with stuff and bring it, it out. So we left there, we were in a hotel, we slept in our car overnight, with all that, and um, we ended up going to the Door of Hope Salvation Army, which we thought was great, because they gave us a two-bedroom apartment. Um, right at the beginning, they took us out of CES as inactive. That was July of 2022. So come January of 2023, I find out that whole time that we were there, we were inactive. So we did a story with the CBS News. They put us back on, or so they said. And I come to find out in March, we're inactive still. So we file a grievance. We talk to the directors, all of that. They put us back on. And then in June, inactive again. So July, now it's our year program is up, and they tell me they're going to lock the doors. So I ended up having to put my husband into a nursing facility, and I wanted to find somewhere to live. I refused to leave, and I made them do the eviction process. So in October, they filed the eviction, and we're going through that right now. They won't case manage me. I got um, through a source I won't say, gave me pictures of my CES system. They, they uh, ignored two housing referrals. I just got off the phone yesterday because I was calling all the places that I signed up for myself. And three of those places said that they sent me a letter that there was returned to sender from the address that I'm living at. So they're returning the sender. So they're like evicting me, but they won't even give me the referrals that are coming from outside or that I work for myself. And just, and just real quick to rewind, in, in order for a person to fall off the CES, to my knowledge, and I get this, I get this from the, the from the regional task regional force, task force handbook, yeah. handbook, it says that that in order for a person to go dormant or, or inactive, the, 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 the case manager has to visit any and all means that they have to contact. Right, the, so you have the, to call, the, email, the, and they have to be unresponsive for 90 days. They have to be, they have to be unresponsive. Which means now, that they took us off of the CES. It wasn't just that we went inactive. Right, because we were living on campus at the time that we were dropped in, that we were made inactive. And that was four times in less than a year. Not only that, but before going to the Door of Hope, which is why we got to CBS News. Um, so CES did house us in permanent supportive housing. And we went, and we were so excited, we were thankful. And we went over there and it was an upstairs unit. And so he can't obviously get upstairs. I asked them if I could put in a stair-like lift. And they said because it was the outside of the building, they couldn't do it. They promised us that we would be next in line. And here we are. 
a year and a half later, not next in line. I've called the Department of Justice, the commission. I've gotten that. I was buzzman. I've talked to attorneys. I've talked to uh, Sacramento. The mayor knows CBS, me by first name. CBS prostituted us for uh, a, a story. I feel because they didn't link. They didn't link our story to That's right. uh, to any uh, any, any, GoFundMe. any GoFundMe. They won't any, follow up. They did, and they would. Not, they refused to take. We had. We have their their personal cell phones. Uh, 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 in our cell phones and was in contact with them on a daily basis leading up to the interview and then after the interview ran shortly after the interview ran they won't take our calls no more. Yeah, they won't. They won't respond at all. They refuse. To and do they said it. They on the story that they were going to follow up. Yeah, so it's really frustrating. Nobody wants to touch them. No attorneys want to touch them. The ADA won't do anything because it's a church. Like I, I'm, I'm completely lost. And now they're telling me, oh, and I got another apartment for myself just recently in October when I was supposed to meet move out. I'm sorry. And then two days before moving. Um, PCG, which is like what gives you like rapid rehousing, told me they ran out of funds. So nothing. Then Christmas comes along and they do toys for tots in the angel tree because it's the Salvation Army. My kids were completely left out. They didn't tell me till December 13th when it was too late to sign them up for anything else. It's just malicious. It's vindictive and you don't understand why. My daughter asked me like, why do these people hate you? And I was like, I don't know. Like, and it's, it's horrible. It's sad. They're losing their father already. And to go through all of this, it's just not fair to them. One of the questions I do have, because like I am disabled, I've had a, a stroke myself, so I know uh, the challenges of trying to navigate out here, trying to do the medication and all of the, the, the therapy and things like that. What are the hardships of, you know, you're in a wheelchair. What is one of the hardships of you trying to navigate your, uh, your illness or your, your condition out here in the street? There's there's really no navigating uh, 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 out here out here on the streets. It's it's a deplorable position that 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 dis that disabled people are put in, and for them to address other less uh, less. Um, they want you to have a substance abuse problem is what it is. And, you know, I'll tell you, there's no plugs for them to plug up their wheelchairs to get charged up. There is nowhere for them to lay down to get diapers or anything like that changed. We couldn't go into our family's house because there's steps leading up. So our kids went, when we had to sleep in the car, our kids went into the family. But we had to stay in the car and I had to change them in the car. We couldn't find a place to charge his wheelchair. It's horrible out there. The restaurants won't let you in unless you buy something. And even then they make it a problem for you to plug up. It's, it's, it's awful. It's really awful. Absolutely. Not only that, not only that, I'm at the nursing home now and they're starting to speak uh, to me about a, a discharge plan. And their discharge plan for me is uh, finding me a, 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 a bottom bunk at a, a congregation. There's no way shelter. he can take care of himself. I don't see how... how it's awful. And then not only that, but they, he's developed five unstageable bed sores to the bone. Mm. And he's only been here six months. Oh, my God. So to the bone. And it's like, how, how does this... I've had him for three years in my care and none. And for him to have five unstageable is... It's really sad. You can die from bed sores. It's yeah. really, really sad. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. This is so infuriating and because and, I can imagine... You know, and exasperating because it's like it drains you. It's exhausting. You know, one, you have your ailments to deal with, and then you have to go to war while you're sick and vulnerable to try to get the dignified care that you require in order for you to su survive. That's, that's and just, maintain a straight face for your children. You know, he was, he was, he was, 
he was going to make sure that I got a bottom bunk at this shelter. And I just looked at him and I, I told him, I was like, man, you know, thank you, but no thank you. I'll tell you, I worked you in know. finance for 20 years with Chase Bank, Capital One Bank, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. I've worked for 20 years in, in corporate offices. and. Never, ever did I know that it was like this. Not only that, but when you become homeless, you're no longer human. You don't have a voice. You don't have any credibility. You don't get any respect. It's a completely different world that you are thrown into. And I've tried to learn how to navigate through it, but they don't respect you anymore. You have no credibility at all. I was going to ask this because I was an educator before I got sick myself. And one of the things that is so hard, which is why I created the show, is to educate people on the realities of it. Because you're right. They they looked at you like you did some heart like, you like you're contagious. Killed, yeah, like you killed a kitten yeah. or you ate a kitten for yeah. lunch or something like that. I feel like, like I'm contagious. Yeah. And, and how would you, if you had to go back in time to see how you are before in finance and now, what would you do to get yourself to pay attention? I, I would be completely different. I've been completely humbled by this and I'm not going to lie, I was the same way. I had my own idealisms of, oh, they're on drugs or they can get a job. I'm thankful for this experience, I have to tell you, because I don't like the person I was before. So I, would, I wouldn't give to a charity. I wish people would stop donating to charities and I wish that they would go out into the street and do it to the people directly because those charities are pocketing the money. We don't get nothing Thing. I don't get a single donation that's dropped off. So that is what I wish. I'm homeless and I want them to stop donating to charities because you're feeding the beast. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. They're not doing the right things with that money. I just really want them to be held accountable. I wish people would start looking at these charities and hold them accountable for not only the finances, but for the way they p treat people. I want case managers to be looked into and audited because they're not doing anything for us. I've gotten no resources since I've been homeless. There's a homeless ban in San Diego. I'm sorry, let me mention that. The mayor has in incited a homeless ban, right? So if you don't shelter, you go to jail. But the shelter is kicking me out and they're 50% vacant more than the entire time I've lived there. So they don't need the space. They're evicting me to the street and the street is gonna take me to jail if I don't go to a shelter. Tell me how that makes sense. Thank you to Tarana, Stacy, and we'll be right back. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer... 
Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Welcome back to Weedy House. I'm Theo Henderson. And we're back in San Diego, where I continued my coverage of the hospital dumping epidemic. Next up, we are speaking with Michelle, a woman I met who occasionally stays in an RV. And as we discussed in a previous episode, she first became unhoused as many have when domestic violence left her without a safe housing environment. Here's some of our conversation. I'm in San Diego here. Um, I'm uh, one of the homeless. Uh, how long have you been on the streets? Since about 2017. What happened? Uh, domestic violence, domestic violence victim and uh, some other issues. But um, and I, I'm fortunate enough, sometimes I stay in an RV with some friends, but they just took off right now and left me with literally nothing. And that happens to people over and over and over again. So I've got me and my dog, no money in my pocket, not my EBT card, no, no ID, just my phone and, and not even a jacket or a hairbrush. And when you find yourself like that, it's absolutely indescribable. It's horrifying. And then to have people who are supposed to be in government in trust in positions of public trust stealing from the public that's reprehensible and it needs to be addressed. I'm trying to figure out how to do a key TAM lawsuit because there's a department, I mean, there's a company called Equus Workforce Solutions that handled all of the um, housing for the, the homeless residents who were in hotels. And when I started in 2000 or January of 2021 with them, I was in their program for six weeks, but they wanted me to sign something that said, we reserve the right to share your health information with third party organ procurement organizations. And I said, what in hell are you doing that? So they're asking people to share their health information and then people start vanishing from those programs and there were hazards in my hotel room. They kicked me out after six weeks because I was really adamant about finding out why they wanted me to sign that box. And that's Equus, E-Q-U-U-S, Workforce Solutions. I believe they've just changed ownership, but they got about $140 million in grant money from the from San Diego Department of Purchasing and Contracting. I'm still trying to get my, my documents from Equus, as a matter of fact, and that's how I found Matt Heffernan. I wrote to my Joel Anderson and um, said, "Where I can't get my records from these people. Can you please help me? He contacted Matt Heffernan, who sent me a link, but I still can't open it on my email, and Matt's no longer taking my phone calls because he's tired of me asking him about the $17 million June of 2023 grant money and where it went because I was in Lakeside, too. I'm, I'm homeless out here and homeless in Lakeside. I kind of bounce back and forth between the two. When when something goes bad here, I go there. When something goes bad there, I come here. But um, but basically, I, I believe that there's some indication that San Diego is selling the organs of their homeless, and that's a little bit of a stretch. But but there's some indication that that happens. In in September of 2021, I went to Grossmont. I was on my way to jail, and I went to Grossmont Hospital, and they actually kept me there, saying I had uh, toxic metabolic encephalopathy. But I didn't have that. They sedated me for three days, didn't let me up out of sedation. They'd given me every single kind of sedative I got for the last 10 years while in various um, child two childbirth and assault, assault. And um, I, I don't know if that's because I was an organ donor or I have viable organs. It turns out I have very viable organs, even though I've been a heavy, was a heavy drinker for many, many years. And my uh, 
kid's father saved my life. He kept calling over and over again. They let me up out of that sedation, and, and I wasn't quite the same ever since. I have, I have a hard time thinking on my feet, speaking. But um, anyway, that's my story, and there's things like that that happen here, and I know that's a little bit of a stretch for anybody to imagine, but um, that's what it is. Michelle, thank you for taking the time to tell us your story. Uh, is there anything else that we missed that you would like to say? Um, I would like to encourage Todd Gloria to, because the, the homeless, there's so many of us out here. We're an actual asset. We're a workforce, an untapped potential workforce. I think if there's a, a, a situation where we could be employed, it would be on the internet. We could start purchasing things in, in, in groups together, maybe. Um, there's got to be a way for us to, to be employable, to clean the city streets where we are at at the time. There's money for that from the private sector, from the public sector. There's an algorithm that could be employed to, and I'm, that's my dream, is that I'll come up with something like that that is a Dr. Seuss-style 5252s. I'm a music teacher, and I've been working on this for a long time. But um, I, I believe that if there's, because there happen to be 52 miles of the San Diego River and 52 communities in San Diego City, and if we took the, those miles and we started cleaning them on the river, because there's all these, this fraud with the uh, companies and the, the private and public sector people who steal grant money from the, pub, from the state and federal funds that are supposed to be protecting our waterways. And they kick the homeless around out there in Lakeside. But Lakeside's kind of a special place for homeless because there's two different recycling centers within walking distance. So they can afford to support themselves more easily than anybody else. One of my dreams is to get them to unify and form a business entity and take recycling and um, and do something with the money there like that as a group because they, they're hardworking. I, can, I see guys go out with... Um, it took six and two or three hours. They get twenty-five dollars of, of recyclable. But they, it's hard, hard, back-breaking labor. They go through trash cans, but they're fast. And the, the other thing is that now there's a state law about separating the organic trash from the other trash. And it seems to me we could form an entity that would do that for to, in compliance with state and federal funding to go abide by those laws. And um, that, that's that's a, the final thought I'll leave you with is MTS has um, is a state agency, the Metropolitan Transit System. If we were to get to appeal to them to give us jobs as homeless people, we could clean the streets where we are at and form an entity, recycle and, and separate the trash so we're in compliance with state funding and get the, the funding from that. We're in the trash anyway. Why not separate it and make it compliant so that the landfills don't get filled up with organic and go, that's, I mean, it's a state law now. So that's a suggestion I have for future consideration. <laughs> Thank you so much to Michelle and to everyone I spoke with in San Diego. We will be returning in a future episode to cover this ongoing undercover tragedy from the unhoused perspective. Next episode is election time. And as usual, there are so many candidates to choose from. We'll be speaking with a few candidates who are running for office in Los Angeles. That's next time on Weedy Unhoused. Until then, keep sharing the show at WeedyandHouse.com and at WeedyandHouse on Instagram. May we again meet in the light of understanding. Weedy and House is a production of iHeartRadio. It is written, hosted, and created by me, Theo Henderson. Our producers are Jamie Loftus, Lyra Smith, and Katie Fisher. Our editor is Adam Wong, and our logo art is also by Katie Fisher. Thanks for listening.
Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 